I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. As political debates over public safety continue to heat up in the Bay Area, community dynamics are also getting complicated. In Oakland, the public safety conversation is stirring up this question. Who speaks for the Black community? It's also raising another question. How do you balance fighting crime with fighting systemic and racial injustice? The Oakland chapter of the NAACP, the nation's largest and oldest civil rights organization, has been front and center on the issue of crime in the city. Their demands, more law and order and less progressive policies. Leaders of Oakland's NAACP have blamed the city's spike in crime on progressive leaders like Mayor Sheng Tao and Alameda County DA Pamela Price. The chapter's president, Cynthia Adams, says public safety is a civil rights issue. Remember, this is a civil rights issue. What is going on in Oakland is a civil rights issue. The buck stops with the mayor. But some current and former members of the NAACP are accusing the chapter of hijacking the organization's historical legacy to amplify right-wing talking points and hurting the Black population at large. In a press conference today, the group who says they support more progressive reform are accusing members of the local branch of spreading false information, using politicians and supporting an anti-LGBTQ activist to push right-wing and tough-on-crime agendas. We come together, united. You don't jump on the Republican side and start bashing. This is Trumpinism. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle columnist Justin Phillips joins me to talk about why he believes the Oakland NAACP shouldn't be speaking for the city's Black population, and why he says their talking points are a betrayal. Justin believes finding solutions to Oakland's crime issues will require collaboration between the city's progressives and moderates. He'll share why he thinks the Oakland NAACP is making that increasingly difficult. Justin Phillips, always great to have you on Fifth Emission. Thanks for having me. Justin, the NAACP has advocated for Black civil rights for more than a century. In your latest column, you assert that the historic organization's Oakland chapter is out of step with that mission. And before we dig into all of that, tell me just how influential is the NAACP these days? And how do they continue to shape political discourse both on the local and national levels? More than anything, like the organization is still very large. It's still very active on a national scale. It has thousands and thousands of members. So when you look at it that way, they still are a solid benchmark for nationally how a politically engaged black populace feels about certain things. And so if you just look at their most recent national meeting, they propose a lot of resolutions, just have a lot of really progressive discussions. And it can be everything from, you know, LGBTQ rights or, you know, the organization supporting them. It can be about, you know, how you deal with uh, police violence, reprimanding black police officers. It can be things in education. The organization itself is still nationally a good representation of Black America that is engaged with what's happening around them and wants to be involved in politics. Mm. Now, each local NAACP chapter employs its own strategy to empower the Black community. And in one of your recent stories, you said the Oakland chapter's approach feels, quote, more conformist than revolutionary. Explain that for me. So there's like two parts to this. 
you know, when I think of the conformist side of it, I'm thinking of the political climate in Oakland. You have a lot of people advocating for more police on the ground. Never mind that the Oakland Police Department has historically never been great at solving or stopping crimes, but they demand more police on the grounds. They want harsher punishments. They want this return to a uh, law and order era that clearly has been problematic in Oakland's history. And that's conforming to the demands of a group that doesn't really represent all of Oakland. And then you have the other side, which is the revolutionary aspect, and that speaks to Oakland's history. So you got to remember, this is the same city of the Black Panther movement. It's where the Black Lives Matter movement really got off the ground. And you're talking about two movements that really did not believe in just traditional law and order policing as a solution for a lot of the problems in the city. They wanted far-reaching efforts like community-centric things that could provide long-term solutions. And so when you see what the NAACP in Oakland is doing, it fails to keep up with the revolutionary approach that Oakland is familiar with. So I understand, Justin, that you've met with leaders of the Oakland NAACP for your reporting in the past. Tell me more about the leadership. What are their demographics? What are their backgrounds? Yeah, I met with them for a piece I had done a little while ago that was, you know, critical of the NAACP's direction. But they are a little bit of what you'd expect. It's an older group, more established group in the community, some business owners. They do say that you know, not every member speaks for the branch overall. They say that the president speaks for the branch. That president is Cynthia Adams. And Cynthia's stances that are worth noting is, you know, supporting the reinstatement of police chief Laurent Armstrong, who was terminated following a police misconduct scandal. Cynthia also called for a recount of the mayor's race, kind of making some, you know, very, uh, Trump-like arguments, I would say, mm. when it comes to uh, the recount, because the NAACP's preferred candidate, Lauren Taylor, wasn't elected over current progressive Mayor Shang Tao. You'll see him at a lot of NAACP, you know, events. And then there are people like that are kind of on the fringe, which it's hard to describe how they're associated with the NAACP, because you have people like Seneca Scott, who is an activist in Oakland has a long problematic history that's been documented by multiple news outlets of saying anti-LGBTQ things on social media. You have progressive politicians who say that he's threatened them, have accused him of threatening them. So it's a little bit of a mess. But Cynthia Adams is the president and she's supposed to be the spokesperson. Now, Justin, in a recent Fifth Emission episode, I chatted with our colleague Sarah Ravani about the Oakland merchant strike last week, which was a symbolic protest against city leaders about how they're managing public safety. The Oakland NAACP helped organize that strike, one of the many ways that the chapter has been very, very vocal. You mentioned that they're defending former Oakland Police Chief Laron Armstrong. How does that particular issue of wanting to reinstate Armstrong. How does that exemplify the chapter's political posturing in Oakland? The NAACP says they support Armstrong because Armstrong was putting the the police department on the right track when it comes to getting a handle on like 
officer misconduct or whatever scandals may be happening. Armstrong was terminated following a police misconduct scandal. Obviously, people feel different ways about that, but at the end of the day, that's why he was let go. Whatever work he was doing went unfinished. Yet the NAACP knows that reforming the department work has not been completed. So clearly the department doesn't meet their expectations yet. Yet they're calling for more police in Oakland. Like it's a weird kind of like what what's the argument there? If your preferred police chief isn't overseeing the department, didn't get to finish the work that you said was so valuable to make the department safer, to install more equitable policing practices, yet you want more law enforcement in Oakland to accomplish what you want with public safety. It just it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Well, you know, this aligns with what we know about this chapter. They want to increase the presence and power of the police in Oakland. It's a priority for them. And you can see it in the chapter's 10-point plan. Tell me about some of those points and why do you think it echoes, as you say in your column, quote, a flawed conservative narrative? I mean, once again, we're talking about, you know, more boots on the ground. Like the main thing is getting more police there. Never mind the more holistic approach of these long-term solutions that progressives in the city are thinking about. And so their first thing is increasing the police force to, you know, I think it's a thousand officers. They have like enforcing criminal laws in a constitutional manner. What exactly does that mean? I don't know if constitutional manner is the right framing for what they want. They want more CHP patrolling Oakland highways they want support from Alameda County Sheriff's Office to assist the Oakland Police Department. Like the the core arguments in the 10-point plan are just about increasing law enforcement and increasing law enforcement's power. How do you decide who gets to speak on behalf of the entire Black community in Oakland? Chronicle columnist Justin Phillips weighs in after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Justin Phillips, the Oakland NAACP chapter has gone after Oakland's progressive leaders, in particular, Mayor Sheng Tao and Alameda County DA Pamela Price. Tell me about the tactics that the chapter has used to not only criticize them, but galvanize support against these leaders. Look, like, let's be honest. Criticism for politicians is healthy. Like, they should be confronted when people think they aren't meeting their expectations. Like, there's, sh- but it needs to be a dialogue. And what you have with the NAACP is a firm stance that whatever these people they don't agree with, are doing is never going to meet their expectations that they need to be out. Honestly, like the NAACP has had more press conferences like in the last year than I've ever seen them have in being out here for, you know, the better part of a decade. And it seems like their activity is directly connected to the fact that their preferred politicians aren't in office. And so you have that stance, but you also have the rhetoric that they're using when they're condemning these uh, politicians. You could see it in their public statements when they talk about 
progressive politicians or they talk about woke politicians and they talk about the defund the police movement, which, by the way, never happened in Oakland, being part of why, you know, public safety is so bad. Like, these are the talking points that you find on Fox News, that you find on Breitbart, that you find on these really conservative news outlets. And it just so happens that the NAACP, when they're making their loudest arguments against these progressives, are finding spaces for themselves on these right wing sites like they've become a little bit of a, a conservative media darling. But what they're doing is giving fodder for these groups who want to be able to condemn, you know, black and brown folks in these cities and blame them for crime. You know, all around, it's problematic, but you hate to see them be pawns in a media narrative game that these right-wing forces are leading. Yeah. And also worth noting that it's also throwing people against these women of color politicians who often get more threats and more pushback than any other kind of politician. You're absolutely right. That is a very concerning thing. And that's what other critics of the NAACP have said, where it's really strange that this organization that preaches inclusivity and representation that they're being so angry and there's so much vitriol in what they say publicly that's directed at women of color in these positions. And I've written about in the past how women of color in these offices do face a higher number of threats, like being on social media, especially when they're progressives. So, you know, and when those threats come from people on the far right and the far right sees the NAACP attacking them the same way, those dangerous far right folks think like, oh, I'm I'm on the right path. Like, I should be doing this. Yeah. I mean, what do you make of this disconnect between the Oakland NAACP and the city's progressives? Is it a generational divide? You mentioned that the leadership skews a little older or is it something else? Maybe it's a bit of everything. Like there is obviously always going to be a generational divide. Like if the NAACP's leadership stays older, stays predominantly like middle class business owners, their concerns are going to be way different than a young black population in Oakland. But I also think like... Times have changed when it comes to, you know, civil rights activity. Mm-hmm. There's more of a understanding of how things haven't worked before, of like cozying up to power, you know, as the Oakland NAACP has, has a history of doing, like cozying up to power is the way to make change. Mm-hmm. Like now you have younger activists and just activists in general in the city who know that for change to come, they need to be more aggressive. Maybe it doesn't mean having allies in city hall. Maybe it just means knowing what you want and going to those powerful politicians and saying, this is what we want. You don't have to be buddy, buddy. There doesn't have to be any give and take. You hold your ground, you do what you need to do, and then you create change that way. Have you been able to pose to the leadership of the Oakland NAACP that some of these things that they're advocating for, increased law enforcement, more police, like there's evidence that that hasn't helped solve crime problems. How do they respond to something like that? I think the general responses to those things is, you know, how is Oakland going to get safer right now? I think it's it's a conversation about immediacy mm-hmm. and the long term effects kind of get ignored. 
and in some ways you can understand it like they're echoing the the talking points from business owners homeowners like they don't want to be in a city where you know their car gets broken into there's constant vandalism like they can't go enjoy their favorite restaurant it just goes back to that whole immediacy thing like they're responding to the fears of a certain segment of the population right and those fears can i I don't want to downplay those fears those fears can be real but more of oakland isn't in that business owning homeowning population that has to worry about their car getting broken into like they're struggling with housing they're worrying about if they'll ever have a car like there are more people that are struggling to get the things that you know the NAACP is trying to protect right Well, in September, a group of prominent black leaders sent a letter to the national NAACP saying the Oakland chapter has been hijacked for conservative causes. Tell me more about what that letter said and who are some of the people behind that? So there's a handful of national NAACP members. There's a couple of former Oakland branch members. That letter was basically saying that the rhetoric that they've been using has been problematic Basically, they just want the branch to be more progressive in its thinking. And the response uh, from the NAACP was, you know, flippant. And, you know, I'm not even going to lie to you. It's like almost like ripped out of a Fox News headline Mm. because they were saying, like, (laughs) they have no comments. The accusations are false. This is what Cynthia Adams said to media outlets, which is, you know, the letter criticizing them was intended to distract everyone's attention from the retail thefts, robberies, burglaries, murders, business closures, and the overall lawlessness that has everyone in fear for their safety. Mm. I'm not saying that there aren't people in Oakland who are worried about public safety, who are, you know, tired of crime. I think all of that is fair to say. The way that it's packaged and talked about feels eerily familiar to how these right-wing outlets talk about it. As an organization, the NAACP, the branch in Oakland, has a responsibility to be more nuanced in how they talk about issues that directly affect the Black community. Well, at the same time, the Oakland chapter has gotten support from other local NAACP chapters. San Francisco's Reverend Amos Brown has defended them as well. And Justin, to to me, all of this sort of feels like this tug of war, a battle over who gets the right to represent or speak on behalf of the Bay Area Black community. Does that feel sort of like a losing game to you since the community isn't homogenous, right? I mean, how do you make a strong mm-hmm. argument for one point of view being the right way to represent a community versus another? It uh perfect world, (laughs) the NAACP branch in Oakland would have diverse enough perspectives to where we could be like, okay, they got us covered. They're coming from enough, you know, varied standpoints where what they're advocating for covers everybody. But that's not the case. We we also have to think about how media reacts to issues in the black community. Mm -hmm. Whenever something happens, if it's a black community thing, you know, they think to go get the NAACP or some community leader. It's also important that what they talk about covers more people, mm-hmm. like what they advocate for, the stances they take are more representative of the diversity of the black experience in Oakland and not just one uh, particular part of it. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like your issue with them 
certainly maybe some of their positions, but it's how they're packaging their positions. It's both, but it's the positions at the end of the day. Like there are more holistic solutions that are being pursued in Oakland that aren't just increasing a problematic police force. There are people who are on the ground doing community work. Like we have, you know, the Department of Violence Prevention in Oakland. You have violence interrupters working on the street. You have all these things. Now, imagine if you had these violence interrupters getting paid a decent, like, amount to where this was their job. Like, imagine if we invested in these other solutions the way we have historically with law enforcement. What could happen? Yeah. We know what happens when we go down the path that the NAACP is trying to lead us down. Mm -hmm. What if we chose a different path? You mentioned this earlier, Justin, that Oakland is the city with such a rich revolutionary history. The Black Panthers were founded here. You know, a lot of political debates around the Bay Area right now are being sort of framed as people fighting for the soul of the city. What do you think it says about Oakland's legacy and soul that the Oakland NAACP has taken the political stances that it has? More than anything, it shows the, I mean, I know people won't like this, but it shows the division between like, even in the black community, between the haves and the have nots. Mm -hmm. One of the critics of the NAACP branch in Oakland said it's a classist organization. These are business owners, people who are established, middle class, like they're concerned about things that are directly related to them. If this moment just causes conversation about the direction the NAACP is headed in, and it makes people upset with the direction that they're headed in, it just makes me think of how many black people in Oakland are facing a type of plight that is much deeper and more complicated than the current leadership of the NAACP can ever understand. Mm -hmm. You're talking about issues of housing. You're talking about poverty. You're talking about all those things, right? Quality of life things, yes. Access to jobs, access to housing, education, like all of the things that make a well-rounded life mm -hmm. and how many Black Oaklanders don't have those tools or don't have access to those tools at their disposal. Well, Justin, I know this is a very complex topic, one that you've tackled head on. Thank you for talking to me about it. I appreciate it. Hey, look, I always like talking to you, so thanks. Justin Phillips is a columnist for The Chronicle. Find his stories on the Oakland NAACP online at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to Gary Baca for editing this episode. And thanks to you for listening.